What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. This week, we chopped it up a little bit. The last podcast episode that came out on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, don't remember, was about the recap of week two, what we learned, what we could take away from that. Now, this podcast is geared towards your week three winner's guide. We're talking about guys you can buy low right now, try to trade for before it's too late. Guys you could sell high on and trade away before it's too late. We're going to talk starts, sits, and although we've been having a rough start to the season and a little bit of a rut that happens sometimes when it comes to the betting world, we will also be getting into my five favorite betting lines and betting on the underdog, and then we'll wrap it up. So, This should be coming out, actually, I'm releasing it right after I record it, so it should be coming out Thursday night, just before the game. We're going to have all this stuff ready to go, and I was going to comment on today's game, since it's coming out right before, but there's not really too many starts or sits in this game for me. Obviously, you're going to play Christian McCaffrey, you're going to play DJ Moore, you're going to play Brandon Cooks, you're going to start the guys, and they're not applicable to DFS game slates because they're not it's not a Sunday game so unless you're talking about a Thursday only game which is a completely different story you're not really gonna have any use in a start sit column about the guys going tonight so with that said we're gonna start with some buy lows one of the guys that I think is a good buy low and he'll be an even better buy low after this week so if you want to wait go ahead it's Antonio Gibson he's getting and he was a buy low for me last week too He's getting the touches. He got, unfortunately, screwed over in the two-minute drill that led to a touchdown to J.D. McKissick instead of Antonio Gibson. They didn't want to pull McKissick off the field. He was playing fine, and they were in a vibe, so they just left him out there. It's, It's not a big deal. Don't overreact to it. A lot of people are freaking out. Oh, my gosh, Antonio Gibson is like, he's getting screwed, and he's not getting that much receptions. Well, actually, he's been getting a decent amount of receptions. And this week is going to be a rough matchup, and we'll talk about that matchup in a little bit. But Antonio Gibson, after this week, is going to be an amazing buy. But if you can buy him now, why not? Because there's always the chance, no matter what a game looks like, will be the case when you're projecting game script and what might happen and how good is the defense and all that stuff. All it takes for a guy like Antonio Gibson is to bust through one hole, make one man miss, and he's 70 yards down the field for a touchdown. And all of a sudden, he's not a good buy low anymore because it's too late. So if you can get him now, I would, but... I think you'll be able to get him after this week because he's got a tough matchup. Robert Woods is another one. Cooper Cup has a 38% target share so far through the season. I don't think I've ever, and I, I chart this stuff. I've been doing it for five years now, either four or five. I don't remember. Cooper Cup has a 38% target share. I have never charted a target share over the course of a season higher than, I think, 33.5% was the highest I've ever seen, and that was DeAndre Hopkins a couple years ago. So Cooper Cup's not going to retain that. And if you're pulling percentage away from that, it's got to go somewhere. I think it's going to go to Robert Woods because 
He didn't use Higby much in week two, but he threw to Higby a decent amount in week one. Van Jefferson's been getting his looks. Darrell Henderson has been getting his looks. Woods is the, the real one who's been struggling a little bit, and I think that won't last very long. I actually think he'll have a nice bounce back game versus Tampa this week. So Robert Woods, I think you have to buy him now if you want to buy him because I expect a bounce back. Then Tyler Boyd is another one. He had a 30% target share last week, and Joe Burrow's pass volume has still not increased because they were they were alive versus the Bears. They started coming back in the end, but the Bears are not a team that gives you many opportunities to pass the ball because the Bears, whether they're winning or not, are pretty good with ball control. And if they're not winning, then you're probably not passing a lot because you're just trying to run the clock out yourself because you're beating them. So usually, teams are not going to be passing much against Chicago. And then obviously, they were in the fight the entire time and beat the Vikings. So there's been no reason for Joe Burrow to throw a lot. But that's going to change, and it's going to change here soon. It might change this week. Now, it depends on how the ball control works with Pittsburgh. If Big Ben throws a couple turnovers, they could completely screw the game script. But if you're looking at the course of the season, Joe Burrow's probably going to get back up to passing a lot. And Tyler Boyd, yeah, he's not going to keep his 30% target share from last week. He had like much, he definitely had way less than that week one. But I'm looking at him still getting about what I was projecting coming into the season, a 20% target share. And if Joe Burrow's throwing a little bit more later on than he is now, that's pretty good. Tyler Boyd's going to be a solid flex every week. And if you're super strong everywhere outside of wide receiver, he could be a back-end wide receiver too for you. So Tyler Boyd is another good buy low for me. Then we've got Javonta Williams. The takeover has not fully happened yet, and it's still super early. Usually it takes a lot longer. Javonta Williams is going to be one of those rookie running backs that takes over his backfield with a good veteran faster than most. It's already happened in terms of touches. It's already starting to get there. I think it's going to continue on, and they've got a nice matchup versus the Jets. I was going to put Javonta in my start column, but just the fact that he is still splitting and we don't know exactly how it's going to go, it was a little risky, so I actually kept him out. But Javonta Williams could easily completely take over this week look like a absolute stud, the one that I know he is and the one that he's looked to be so far, and then it would be it'll be way too late to buy him. So Javonta Williams is another one. And then lastly, Marquez Calloway. And this is somebody you're buying super, super low on. Why? It, it makes sense. Marquez Calloway has never produced in the NFL. Now he's come only in his second year, I believe, right now, but with nothing to show for his rookie season. And he had a good, hyped-up preseason, but then in the first two weeks, he's got absolutely zero to show for it. It's going to be super easy to buy him. He might be on waivers. So this is a guy, depending on what type of your league in, league you are in, you should either trade for or pick up off the waiver as a speculative ad and see what he does this week. They're playing the Patriots. The Patriots do like to try and take out the best weapon, right? We've talked about this, but that's not going to be Marquez. If anything, it's going to be... Alvin Kamara. And if they're not choosing Alvin Kamara in the receiving game to take out, which I'm sure that's what they're going to do, if they don't do that, then it's probably going to be a more even defensive look where they're not trying to eliminate one specific person. So I think this is an opportunity here for Marquez to get back on his feet to show that he is the target for Jameis Winston. We'll see what happens, but you're getting him for nothing, so buy low on him if you can then we've got two sell highs, not anything too crazy. I've got Adam Thielen. He's on a team that's not great. He's got three receiving touchdowns so far. 
already in only two games. His efficiency starting to show bad again. His efficiency in the last week was not very good, and it's probably going to continue to trend that way if the pattern holds from the last two years, getting worse and worse in efficiency. So outside of touchdowns, Adam Thielen's not going to be very good. And if you want to have a wide receiver two that's touchdown dependent, that's your prerogative. But I'm not someone that wants that. And he's probably going to have a decent game. He might get another touchdown or two versus Seattle because they don't have a very good secondary and they're probably going to put up points versus Minnesota. So if you can't sell him this week, then sell him next week because he's not going to keep up this pace. And you could probably get more than what he is worth right now. Marquise Brown is the other one. I don't think he's an immediate sell, but you want to sell before it gets too close to the timeline of Rashad Bateman returning, because when Rashad Bateman returns, he's going to lose out on a lot of targets, in my opinion, Marquise Brown. Now, not anything ridiculous, but two targets a game for somebody that can turn one target into a 40-yard reception, that's kind of a big deal. So Marquise Brown, for me, is the other sell high. Plus, he's never produced like this his entire career. Maybe he's turned a corner, possibly, right? Players do that, but it's more likely that he's going to regress once more players join the offense. Then we've got our starts, our DFS plays. We'll talk about last week first. I said Devonta Smith should be someone you're starting versus the Niners. I was wrong. He had the targets. He didn't produce on them. Only 3.6 fantasy points. I said start Melvin and Javonta versus the Jaguars. I was expecting a much bigger lead for the Broncos, a better game script. Not terrible, but they only combined for 16.3 points. I thought they were going to combine for 25-30, so I definitely missed on that as well. I said start the Bucks wide receivers. Expect a bounce back from Mike Evans. Two touchdowns. That definitely happened versus Atlanta. Chris Godwin also had a great game. Kyler Murray versus the Vikings. I said he's worth the cost. Pay up for Kyler Murray. He's going to be one of the top performers. Do it for DFS because obviously you're starting him in your regular leagues. But for DFS purposes, you have to grab Kyler. Kyler put up 35.1 points. Absolutely elite. I also said Tyler Laquette. Worth the price. Start him up. 31.8 points. Elite. One of the best wide receivers on the week. Kyler Murray, I think, was the number one quarterback. Maybe number two. Mike Williams. I said start him up. The role is confirmed. Hit on that as well. 22.1 points last week. And then to finish it out with a miss, Ronald Jones. I said start him versus Atlanta. He's the starter, Bruce Arians said. Honestly, it's frustrating as a Bucks fan. You can't really trust anything that Bruce Arians says. So unless it's like something that's happened in the past. But in terms of projecting for the future and what may occur, you can't really take what he says with much weight. It doesn't hold weight. You know, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. So Ronald Jones versus Atlanta, that was a miss. He only had 4.6 points. So let's talk about this week. This week, I've already talked about him. Robert Woods, he's going to have a bounce back game versus Tampa. The secondary is super banged up right now. And we have a good run defense. The Rams already don't have a good run game, at least not a great run game. So why would they try to lean on the run and establish the run when our weakness is the secondary and the passing defense and their strength is the passing offense right it doesn't make sense so cooper cup robert woods are gonna be great this week robert woods and matt stafford himself are both stars for me versus my very own tampa bay buccaneers justin fields versus the browns he's a sneaky one if you want to if you're either streaming quarterback and you want to go fields in regular leagues go for it if you want to go cheap on the quarterback position in dfs go for justin fields versus the browns tyrod taylor moved the ball 
He was able to run the ball against the Browns pretty well. He was able to move the offense in general. He has worse weapons to work with than Justin Fields does, and Justin Fields has better legs than Tyrod. So Fields seems like a pretty good play to me versus the defense that just crapped the bed versus Tyrod Taylor. Also, the Chicago defense may hold the run game of the Browns in check. If they're able to do that, if they're able to hold the run game in check and they keep this game very close, Justin Fields is going to be have a much better time. He's going to have more time to possess the ball because the Browns' drives would be shorter and their time of possession would be less. So he would have more opportunities to possess the ball on offense. Plus, if the game doesn't get out of hand, he probably is less likely to panic as a rookie often does, and start taking crazy risks and throwing interceptions and then decreasing his fantasy points. So, And it keeps his legs alive even better. So I like Fields a lot versus the Browns. Then we've got Juju versus the Bengals. It's an easy one. Deontay Johnson is out. Who's the high reception guy? If Deontay Johnson ain't there, it's Juju Smith-Schuster versus the Bengals. Then we've got Kyler again versus the Jaguars. Pay up worth the price. He's playing a horrible defense. He's probably going to be the top quarterback scorer and getting 30-plus fantasy points. Saquon versus the Falcons. Now, you may be saying, okay, you already told us in the recap last podcast that Saquon is somebody we got to start all the time because he could just break one. Yes, but a lot of people, including people like me, not specifically with Saquon, but with this strategy, this draft strategy, that start with a whole bunch of running backs— they might be in a situation where Saquon could possibly be on their bench. Maybe they have David Montgomery and Joe Mixon and maybe even a Miles Gaskin along with Saquon. And they're like, yeah, maybe I should sit Saquon. I would say don't do it this week, even if you have better or very good options. Because first the Falcons, that's a really nice matchup. We're in week three now. He should be even healthier. Daniel Jones looks pretty good. The offense looked pretty good. The RPO that they were running with Daniel Jones. If it does get figured out eventually, it's not going to get figured out in only one week. I highly doubt that. So I think that'll be effective as well, which will help open up lanes for Saquon. So I like him a lot versus the Falcons. He should have a opportunity to be a top 10 running back this week. Now, this is a little bit of a curveball, but Broncos defense versus the Jets. Zach Wilson is probably going to have a very bad day once again, just like he did versus the Patriots. This Broncos defense is loaded with corners. Corey Davis, you want to be weary of, but I can't say, you know, be weary of Corey Davis because somebody's going to have to produce for the Jets offense. And all three of the starting corners for the Broncos are pretty darn good. So it's going to be tough to say, oh, sit this specific guy and play this guy because they're all going to have rough matchups. The ball's got to get to somebody. I still think Zach Wilson's probably going to throw for 200-something passing yards or near there. So somebody's got to produce. But just be weary of that entire situation this week. But definitely play the Broncos defense. Then we've got Kirk Cousins versus Seattle. That's an easy one for me. Seattle's defense has not been doing much. Ryan Tannehill would have had a great day had A.J. Brown just caught some balls that would have led to like another 80 yards for him and possible one or two touchdowns. And then Julio actually had a touchdown that was called off the board. So Tannehill could could have had a much better day. And Kirk Cousins, I think, will have a good day versus the Seahawks. Then we've got Jalen Hurst versus the Cowboys. The Cowboys' defense is honestly a lot better than I would have thought, but it's still not great. Jalen Hurts has the legs. He was able to put up 20 fantasy points last week despite playing a very bad game versus a tougher defense than the Cowboys. I expect him to bounce back. If this game 
Okay, so real quick, side note, this game could go two ways. And this is why I'm staying away from this game betting-wise. This game could be a nasty, chippy, hard-nosed, divisional football game that is very low-scoring. Or it can go the absolute opposite direction. Dak and their receivers could go absolutely nuts. And Jalen Hurts is going to have to run, keep plays alive, and make some pretty good plays to Devonta Smith, Jalen Rager, Dallas Goddard to, to stay in it. So... This could easily hit the over. It could easily hit the under. We have no idea who might win this game. It's a close line for a reason. So I'm kind of staying away from it for that purpose. But no matter how the game shakes out, Jalen Hurts has the rushing floor. And now he has the upside because he's playing a bad defense and an offense that can put up points, which will make Hurts be forced to put up points as well. So that's why I like Jalen Hurts this week. And then, makes sense, right? Devonta Smith as well, along with him for the Cowboys. He had the targets, like I said. He just didn't produce. I think that'll change. Now let's talk about the sits. I usually have a lot less sits for whatever reason than starts. I don't know why. My sits are usually more accurate than my starts. Both are decent, but my sits are usually more accurate. I just don't have as many. Maybe that's why. Maybe I don't fill it up as much, and so I really just take the sits that I'm super confident in. So let's talk about them. Last week, I said sit Saquon Barkley versus the Giants. He didn't even have double digits. That was a hit. I said sit Trevor Lawrence versus the Broncos. He didn't have double digits. That was a hit. I said sit Joe Burrow versus the Bears. He had 13.3 points, which is absolutely atrocious for a quarterback. So that was a hit. And then I said sit DJ Moore versus the Saints. That was a miss because DJ Moore had 20 points. But I said that before the information about Marshawn Lattimore being out came out. And then people that talked to me and direct messaged me after the news that Marshawn Lattimore was not going to play... They were told and, and informed like, hey, actually, DJ Moore's not really a sit this week anymore because Marshawn Latimer's out. So technically, it was a miss because at the time of recording and the information that you guys received, I said stardom. So my bad on that. Now let's talk about this week. I've only got three. I've got Matt Ryan versus the Giants. I think the Giants, part of the reason I, I love Saquon, I think they're going to control this game pretty well. I starting. I'm starting to appreciate what Jason Garrett is is trying to do with the offense now I'm not all in and I don't think it's going to be successful all season but I think he's going to have a good game versus the Falcons and it's going to be hard for Matt Ryan to move the ball versus a good Giants defense he's going to do it with not much time and if the Giants are able to go up and Daniel Jones just doesn't turn the ball over Matt Ryan is is going to be playing catch up and at this point in his career he has not really looked too good in those situations now you're probably saying, Brandon, he just went off against your Bucks, but remember, the Bucks secondary was demolished. Absolutely demolished. So that's not the case with the Giants. The Giants are looking pretty good defensively. So I like that matchup. That's why I'm sitting Matt Ryan. So obviously, I mean, I like the matchup for the Giants. Then Antonio Gibson versus the Bills. I told you I think you might have one more week. The Bills defense has started to look really good. Miles Gaskin did nothing versus the Bills. Najee Harris did nothing versus the Bills. Antonio Gibson is in a better situation and a more talented back than both of those people most likely, but it's still a tough situation. And if the Bills start throwing up points on the board and they get up quick, then Antonio Gibson is going to lose the opportunity at a bunch of carries, and we're going to be just relying on his receptions. And unfortunately, while he is getting more receptions than he was last year, J.D. McKissick is still a nuisance, and that takes away upside. So Antonio Gibson, for me, 
is a stay away from in DFS. If you have better options, you probably don't, then you might be able to sit him. I'm, I'm not going to sit him. I have him in regular leagues. I'm not going to sit him in those. But for DFS purposes, stay away. Manage your expectations in regular leagues for Antonio Gibson this week. Then Ezekiel Elliott versus the Eagles is the other one. When I talked about how that game might be, both scenarios are bad for Ezekiel Elliott. If it's a very low-scoring, chippy, divisional game, there's not a lot of points to be had, so Zeke is losing out on the opportunity to get touchdowns. He's already splitting with Tony Pollard. And if it's a chippy, ugly game, well, the biggest strength of Philly's team is their run defense. So that's not going to be a good day for Ezekiel Elliott. It's probably not even going to be a good day for Pollard, even though he's way more efficient than Zeke the past two years now. So that's one reason. And then if it goes the opposite direction and the Cowboys are throwing up points, it has to be through the passing game because that's the strength of the Cowboys, one. And two, it's the weakness of the Eagles' defense. So that's why I don't really see how Zeke could have a great game unless he just gets lucky and stumbles into a couple touchdowns. But you don't like to bet on that. So Ezekiel Elliott is the other sit for me this week. Now we'll get into my five favorite betting lines. Last week was rough, guys. I'm not going to lie. I keep it transparent, right? Last week was rough. I got one out of five, but there are these things called ruts, and people get in them when it comes to betting. You just get in these these bad streaks, but then it usually starts coming back uphill. So I'm hoping that starts happening this week, and I'm not stuck in the rut for longer, but I got one out of five of the five favorite betting lines correct last week. I had the Patriots covering versus the Jets, the 5.5, which they did. I thought the Eagles were going to cover 3.5 versus the Niners. They didn't. It wasn't wasn't that far off. They didn't. The Rams, I thought they were going to cover 4.5 versus the Colts. They definitely would have covered it if it wasn't for the BS, like BS as in unlucky. Their unlucky punt block return for a touchdown by Indy. So if it wasn't for that, would have covered that one. But the Chargers versus Cowboys, that game did not go at, at all how I was expecting. I thought that was going to be a shootout. The over was 55. That's what I took, and it was under that. And then I took the Chiefs to cover versus the Ravens, minus four. But finally, and I'm actually happy. I was rooting for the guy. Finally, Lamar Jackson was able to beat the Chiefs and take that weight off his back. That was his first time ever beating the Chiefs. Plus, That was like one of the very few times he has ever trailed by a significant amount in a game and actually came back and won. So I like that a lot too. I was rooting for him. Now let's talk about this week. I'm taking the Patriots to cover again. This week they're favored only by three, but they're at home versus the Saints. And Jameis is probably not somebody that's intellectual enough, I should say, or mentally capable enough to outwit Bill Belichick's defense. And that's not going to be a good day for him. They also are missing a whole bunch of weapons. So it's not so... I'm honestly not even looking at the other side of the ball. I'm not looking at the Patriots offense versus the Saints defense. I'm not worried about it at all. Because when I look at the Patriots defense versus Jameis and Bill Belichick's mind, all I can think about is him having a bad day. So I'm going to take the Patriots here at minus five and... Or sorry, minus three to cover versus the Saints. The Packers are not even favored. They are the underdog versus the 49ers who don't have a spectacular quarterback and who don't have Devontae Adams or Aaron Jones right now. They're dealing with a bunch of injuries. Debo Samuel is their only significant weapon, apparently, because they don't like to use George Kittle. And that that's pretty much, that's the reasons for me. I think the Packers are going to win this game. 
And for the 49ers to be favored by three, that's kind of kind of crazy to me. So I'm going to take the Packers to cover plus three. Then the Lions-Ravens game has a over-under of 50. Right now, Lamar Jackson is hurt. Now, whether he plays or not, if he doesn't play, this is a smash. And so getting in on this now, remember, I'm going to release this right after I'm finished recording so that you can try to capitalize on these before these lines change and move. So the over-under is 50 points total for the Lions-Ravens game. If Lamar ends up being declared out, that's easy. And that line is going to shift to like 44, probably 43. So that's a huge difference. Now, and 43 is usually like the worst number you'll see on a week, like 42, 43. So that's one reason. Two, even if Lamar plays, he's playing hurt. They're probably going to be up on the Lions pretty quickly. And they're just going to control the ball, run it out. Even if the Ravens are able to put up 30 points with a hurt Lamar Jackson, are you betting on the Lions to be able to put up 21 points I know they've looked pretty good but they haven't really I don't know I just I'm not bought in I guess that's what it comes down to I'm not bought into Detroit yet I'm not bought into that offense I'm not bought into Jared Goff Jared Goff started to look like his old self at the end of the Packers game with two turnovers that's just not somebody I want to bet on so I'm going to take the under for the 50 points in the Lions Ravens game then we've got Cardinals versus Jaguars Cardinals are favored by seven and a half I think they're going to run up the scoreboard They're having quite the season already, and I think Cliff Kingsbury's feeling the heat, was feeling the heat at least in the offseason coming into this season. You've got a vanilla offense. Your offense is bland. There's nothing special about it. You have all these weapons, and you don't know how to use them. Well, so far, he's looked pretty good using the new offense that he has created with some spectacular players. I think they're going to run up the scoreboard versus the Jaguars as he tries to secure his future in this league. So the Cardinals, even though they're favored by a whopping 7.5 points, I'm going to take them. I think they went by 10 to 14. Then we've got the last bet for me. It's going to be the Raiders versus the Dolphins. The Dolphins are without Tua, obviously, and they are... Sorry, one second. They are 4.5 point underdogs versus the Raiders. I think the Raiders are going to win by a lot more than that. I think the Raiders are going to win by 7, 10, 14. Now, I thought about this one a lot because the Raiders seem like a team that once you buy in, then they let you down. But I'm trying to think, okay, how can the Dolphins win this game? Derek Carr looks really good. Derek Carr's got weapons. Henry Ruggs is coming into his own. Brian Edwards is starting to look all right. Darren Waller is there. I don't think Derek Carr is going to have three, four turnovers, and that's probably the only way that the Dolphins can get anywhere close to winning this game because the Raiders' defense has been pretty nice, and the Dolphins' backup quarterbacks are not going to get anything done. So that's what makes me think the Raiders are going to win by more more than four and a half points. So that's my fifth favorite bet of the week. Now to wrap it up, betting on the underdog. Last week, I took the Eagles versus the 49ers as an underdog. Now remember, hitting on any underdog is nice because... You are choosing a team that is favored to lose by at least three points, because that's how I set my standard, by at least three points to just outright win. So that's tough enough, right? I took the Eagles versus the Niners, missed on that. Raiders versus Steelers, got that one. I think a lot of people were in on that one. Vikings versus the Cardinals, that game was super, super close. And I told you guys about my gut, again, being like, hey, the Vikings, I don't know why. The matchup doesn't make too much sense. 
but the Vikings are going to have a good game versus the Cardinals. They did. They just got super lucky. They were right there so close to winning the game, and then they blew it. So missed on that one. Then I said Cowboys versus Chargers. Hit on that. Cowboys did end up winning that game. And then I missed on Bengals-Bears. It got super close towards the end, though. Now let's talk about this week's predictions. I think one team that's a not really a sleeper. Oh, shoot. I just realized I, I, I went against my own rules. The spread can't be less than three. The Bucks are only favored by one and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams win. That was one of the five. So let's talk about the other four. I won't go into depth on that since I broke my own rule. The Bears versus the Browns. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears win this. I don't know why the Browns blow easy games. It, it seems like it. Now, not as much recently, but the Browns do have the propensity to blow easy games. Plus, now Jarvis Landry's out, and if the pass rush is able to get to Baker, or if the run defense is just able to limit and contain Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, the Bears are going to have a chance. Plus, the Browns defense hasn't looked great, and Fields has the edge of, guess what they don't have on me? Tape. So that's going to be an interesting game to watch. So I'm going to take the Bears as a possible underdog to win. And then the Vikings versus Seattle, taking the Vikings again. I just I feel like it's just a well-coached team, even though they're missing a lot of pieces and they're not one of the better rosters in the league. They're going to be in a lot of close games for teams that don't have great defenses. That's just how it is. Seattle's one of those teams. Then I've got the Packers versus the Niners. Obviously, we're betting on them to cover their spread, so they're going to be, and they're not favored, so they're going to be a team that I want to bet on as an underdog. So the Packers versus Niners wouldn't be surprised if they won. And then Eagles versus Cowboys, we talked about that one as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles won that game. Plus, divisional games could go more often than not. They're harder to predict a winner for when you're looking at a divisional game. So those are my five underdogs for the week. Thank you guys for tuning in. We're just at 30 minutes. Perfect timing. Have a good one. Enjoy the game tonight. Peace.